welcome to the second season of our triune pod we are still preparing you to praise join me the reverend nick comiskey and the reverend bendy hart for a conversation about low-key theology lived experience and often unrelated pop culture as we break down one of the psalms we hope it's an inspiring maybe a bit irreverent but mostly helpful way to get you ready for some god time Nick, you're here in New York. How you doing, man? I'm well. I'm well. It's kind of a rainy day, but uh, we're in the apartment. Spent logged a lot of hours in this apartment. It's good to be here, man. Good to have you back, man. Hey, uh, I thought for Unrelated, we'd uh, you've been here, I mean, countless times over the seven years that I've been working at Calvary St. George's, living in Manhattan. And whether it's, you know, over the course of these seven years or any time at all, what is your one of your favorite memories of being in New York? Yeah. So favorite memories. Well, it's kind of a memory slash activity. So the, my, one of my most favorite or special memories is when we were here, me and Meg for those couple of months, when was that? 2017? Something like that. 2017. Um, one of the days that I was here, I wasn't, I was on like a mini sabbatical, so I didn't really have a lot to do work-wise. And so I, and I brought my bike, we drove out here. So I brought my bike and I rode my bike from your apartment, which is like Gramercy 17th street. Uh, all the way west to the Hudson River and then all the way up to the Cloisters, which is pretty That's far, pretty yeah. far right. And uh, the Cloisters is a very, very cool museum. But I think that bleeds into like one of my favorite things to do while I'm here is like ride either city bikes or what if I, that one time I had my bike just on those New York City streets, man. I love it. It's so fun. And this morning he rode a Peloton for the very first time. <laughs> I did. So from outside to inside. Yeah, we'll post my stats right, uh, on the right. gram. It's a little rainy here in New York, so otherwise that'd be lame. But uh, I think I have a new convert. So. It is really fun. I hate to admit it. <laughs> Talk about neoliberal fever dreams, but man, that Peloton is awesome. Kept New Yorkers sane during the pandemic. That's right. That's right. All right, man. Well, we're here to talk about God's holy word. All right. So uh, Psalm 132, here it goes. Lord, remember David and all the hardships he endured, how he swore an oath to the Lord and vowed a vow to the mighty one of Jacob. I will not come under the roof of my house nor climb up into my bed. I will not allow my eyes to sleep nor my eyelids slumber until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. The ark, we heard it was in Ephrata. We found it in the fields of Jerem. Let us go to God's dwelling place. Let us fall upon our knees before his footstool. Arise, O Lord, into your resting place, you and the ark of your strength. Let your priests be clothed with righteousness. Let your faithful people sing with joy. For your servant David's sake, do not turn away the face of your anointed. The Lord has sworn an oath to David. In truth, he will not break it. A son, the fruit of your body, will I set upon your throne. If your children keep my covenant and my testimonies that I shall teach them, their children will sit upon your throne forevermore. And those are the first 13 verses of Psalm 132. And Nick, what, how do we make any sense of these? <laughs> 
Well, it's worth noting here at the outset that this psalm is appointed to be prayed uh, on Christ the King Sunday, which is a day in the church year, a relatively recent liturgical holiday that we celebrate Christ as the King. We remember who the true Lord of this world is. Uh, and as you'll, well, the conversation that we'll have, we'll kind of will end there because that's certainly why it's appointed for this Sunday for a reason. But um, yeah, well, let's just orient ourselves a little bit in this Psalm. It, you know, when you just hear it one time, if you're not looking at it, it's kind of hard to know what exactly what is going on. But I think the context for this Psalm, as best as we can tell, is this Psalm was written many years, centuries after David, after David was the king of Israel, after he presided over the nation and built this wonderful temple. And so uh, it's, and it's safe to say that there was a moment in Israel's history when there was not a son of David on the throne. So there was like the infrastructure in place, but the promise of a Davidic king was not fulfilled. And so what this psalm is doing is telling a very specific story. And, and you know, that key word is verse one. In verse one, remember David. Uh, in the Bible, remember, you know, God doesn't forget things. So why ask the Lord to remember? Well, that that request is to is for God to do a same thing, do a similar thing in our day. They therefore the psalm is a retelling of the events of Zion's establishment to foreshadow the replaying of them anew. So they're kind of saying, Lord, remember when you did this in times past. We're asking you to do it again. Set a son of David upon your throne. Hmm. Now, with that throat clearing in place, we could have a conversation. I feel like there's three main things that we could talk about in this psalm. I think we could talk about David, talk about Zion, and then ultimately talk about Jesus. So as it relates to David, uh, one of the a couple of the commentaries I read to prepare for this um, kind of camped out on the second half of verse one. Remember David and all the hardships he endured. Hmm. And what they drew attention to is that David was Israel's most successful king militarily and politically, but the summary of his reign is hardships. Hmm. And what it points to, of course, is another messianic king who, you know, like in Philippians 2, uh, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped and reigned in hardship or reigned through suffering. So Ben DeHart... Yeah. What do you make of our uh, our suffering King Jesus Christ? <laughs> well, before we jump to Jesus, <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> I do find it interesting. I mean, like obviously, this psalm and many of the psalms, they focus on the good aspects of King David's character. And in this psalm, again, if you don't have it right in front of you, it is in the show notes. Check that out. But this is focusing on a period in David's life when he really does uh, essentially deny himself. Uh, for the sake of his God, he he believes the Lord, the Lord's ark, God's dwelling place, needs a house, needs a place, and he, as this this psalm says, he's let us go to the God's dwelling place, let us fall on our knees, let us let's make it happen. And so the psalmist is saying, "Hey, remember, David made this oath. David went through these hardships so that the ark, the presence of God." might be in Zion, might be in the rightful place. And it's almost saying, hey, Lord, remember yours. There's mm -hmm. kind of an interaction of oaths here oh, in yeah. this psalm. And so this is, again, there are definitely times when David did not keep the covenant. But here we're focusing on when David did. And this kind of interplay, this interaction between this, you know, God's dwelling place will be in Zion forever. And there will be a king like David established in Zion mm. forever. Yep. Um, so again, 
overlooking the parts that probably this might be written during or after the exile when you know the, the kings in the line of David really weren't living up to the covenant. But they're saying, hey, remember back. And again, what Nick said, remember, make present uh, David. Remember David's sacrifice. And so come through and establish that king in Zion like you promised you. Yeah, just like when we remember the Last Supper during Holy mm. Communion. We're not just saying, oh yeah, that happened 2000 years ago. We're <laughs> saying we're kind of reliving those events. And yeah. that word remember does a lot of work there. Um, yeah, so let's go. Okay, so yeah, the, the focus of this Psalm, at least the portion that we're reading is on David and his heroic efforts to construct the temple. David wasn't perfect. He didn't do everything right, but he did do some things right. And constructing the temple, filling that vow was one of them. Now, yeah, it, what this highlights is that Israel is one of, is an odd people for whom the house of the Lord is more important than a house for the king. And uh, there's a, if you're familiar at all with the way that the kind of earliest Christians, what we call the church fathers and the church mothers would read scripture, they would use this thing called allegory, mm -hmm. which is not exactly a metaphor, but it would read into these texts a, a lot of symbols. Um, and what, what was interesting is that one of those readers of scripture par excellence, St. Augustine, he did not read this psalm that allegorically. He read it as a straightforward exhortation to prioritize the physical dwelling places of God, namely mm. the church. Mm. And he kind of read it as a condemnation of private property and the way that believers oh, wow. should kind of pool all of their resources together to not just build nice buildings, but to ensure that the worship of God takes place in specific places. You know, the theme of the psalm is finding a place for the Lord to dwell. And I think as I was thinking about this, say, yeah, like maybe as New Testament readers, New Covenant people, uh, we jump too quickly over the importance of that, of that physical space, you know, especially, you know, we're still kind of in, we're not post-COVID, but are we post-vaccine? I don't know. But, you know, at the beginning, there was, I mean, at least for me in the world that I was in, there was such an emphasis on like, the church is not a building. You can worship from anywhere, log onto your computer and do it. And I think this Psalm and a lot of places in the Bible are kind of pushing back on that mm -hmm. and saying, no, specificity of place is super important. And in the same way that the Lord dwelt in a tabernacle and then a temple in the Old Testament, now God dwells in Jesus, obviously, but there is still this priority to physical space. Yeah, all those folks who talk about the church doesn't matter, and we meet in the storefront intentionally when they have a church, those churches are dissolved within like less than a generation. <laughs> wow, so, coming in hot. <laughs> well, Ben, you were yeah. just coming from one of the most beautiful churches in the world. Here like, in Calvary, St. George's? No, like oh, what were you yeah. doing so five actually, minutes so I was before up, this uh, podcast? Yeah. I was uh, celebrating the Eucharist at St. Thomas Fifth Avenue, which is on yeah Fifth Avenue, beautiful church. It has this, uh, I mean, I won't get into the details of that, but it is one of the most beautiful places on the planet. And, you know, Obviously, that can take be taken overboard, but what I appreciate about St. Thomas is it, they haven't turned it into like a gift shop museum. It really is a mm. house of prayer where the place, the architecture, really fits the kind of vertical worship. You feel like you're in a special place to get in touch with God. And, you know, I don't want to make too much about this, but all the talk about embodied humans, why place and, and stuff matters, I think. If we don't take that too far, we can say no, there's like, something really good there. Yeah. I mean, churches matter. People of the incarnation are, are people who delight in specificity. You know, mm -hmm. God chose a human body, one human body, and God doesn't dwell in one church more than another. But I think it is there is something 
profoundly biblical about celebrating, protecting certain spaces in which to meet with God. Yeah. So get your vax and get back to church. Get off that live stream. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Wow. Um, Yeah. Yeah. That was banned. Not unless you have, you know, (laughs) you might get it really bad. (laughs) No, there's just, yeah. You know, God has an address. God had an address in the old Testament, Mount Zion. God has an address in the new Testament, Jesus Christ. But you know, God has these many addresses too. You know, the church's places in which we gather. We find that. Ooh, let's go. Um, all right. So David, Zion, you know, place, the church. And then let's look specifically at, at Jesus. So David makes this vow in verse three. I will not come under the roof of my house, nor climb up into my bed till I find a place for the Lord. That was the vow that David made to the God of Jacob. And then in verse 11, we read about the vow that the God of Jacob makes to David. He says, um, a son, the fruit of your body, will I set upon your throne. This is what biblical scholars call the Davidic covenant, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. And this is the idea that God made a promise, a covenant with David, in which a son of David would rule. Now, here's where it gets interesting. Verse 13, there is one of those, those terrible conditional words, if. God says to David, I will place one of your sons, the fruit of your body on the throne, if your children keep my covenant and the testimonies I shall teach them. That just is what it is. It's, it's a conditional promise. There's non-conditional language later in the Psalm. The Lord has chosen Zion forever, not conditional, but there is this tension in this Psalm. Well, like, well, what will happen if the sons, the sons of David do not keep the covenant? And we know because of the Bible, that they did not. We know that to your earlier point, that even David did not, or at least not really. Mm-hmm. And so this, I think in some ways, this is the question that hangs over the Old Testament, or one of the most important questions that hangs over the Old Testament. What will happen to David's line if there are no children of David who keep God's law? And, you know, preacher pivot. What we know, of course, is that there is a son of David who did keep God's testimonies, who kept God's covenant. And that's why this psalm is read on Christ the King Sunday, because Jesus did what no other king of Israel would ever do. He not only built a dwelling place for God, he became the dwelling place of God. And he. The, we're not going to read the rest of the psalm because it's just too long. But what we read, read about in the rest of the psalm is the way that the king of Israel not only leads the people in procession to praise, but blesses the poor and satisfies them with bread. So Jesus is this this king who leads us into God's presence, but also makes right everything that has gone wrong. And therefore, to use the language of verse 18, he flourishes. He will be the king forever. And I think, I mean, just to what we were saying a second ago, David is charged. He brings the ark to Zion. His desire is to build a house for the Lord. But even this great king who God makes this covenant with for all time, it's conditional, but you know, God's love seems to override his conditionality. But even in David's life, right? Like David cannot actually build the temple. It's mm. it's given to Solomon because he doesn't keep the covenant perfectly. But we do have one in our Lord Jesus Christ who has kept it perfectly. And go home and read Philippians 2. It sounds a whole lot like this psalm about, remember we talked about how David is like, you know, enduring hardship, enduring suffering. Think of Philippians 2 language. The one who was rich became poor and like endured these hardships to the point of dying on the cross. So I give you complete license out there if you're a preacher to 
make this a Christological sermon. <laughs> That's right, people. All right. So Jesus is king and churches matter. Psalm 132, Lord, remember David and all the hardships he endured, how he swore an oath to the Lord and vowed a vow to the mighty one of Jacob. I will not come under the roof of my house, nor climb up into my bed. I will not allow my eyes to sleep, nor let my eyelids slumber, till I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling for the mighty one of Jacob. The ark, we heard it was in Ephratah. We found it in the fields of Jerem. Let us go to God's dwelling place. Let us fall upon our knees before his footstool. Arise, O Lord, into your resting place, you in the ark of your strength. Let your priests be clothed with righteousness. Let your faithful people sing with joy. For your servant David's sake, do not turn away the face of your anointed. The Lord has sworn an oath to David. In truth, he will not break it. A son, the fruit of your body, will I set upon your throne. If your children keep my covenant and my testimonies that I shall teach them, their children will sit upon your throne forevermore. How about that episode of Our Trying Pod? Now that you've been prepped for praise, won't you do us a solid and subscribe and review? We promise to keep the outlandish illustrations coming. So be sure to join us for another episode of your absolute favorite podcast.